p.m. Sound off Raider Nation. Join JT the Brick weekdays from noon to 2 p.m. from the most interactive talk show in sports talk radio. We are R&R 920 a.m. KRLV Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. You're listening to the JT the Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. It's time for JT the Brick. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. I stopped into a Walmart. I had no idea he was there. We talked a bit about some old Raider stuff. He was super. We went back and forth. I think every current wide receiver in it, not only the NFL, but every current wide receiver, period, needs to be at that induction frame for Cliff. JT the Brick. I want to know when you met Cliff, what your favorite play was with him. So we had a blast. We hung out in there. We got pictures of the boys with the ring. Talked to him a little bit. Cliff Branch was a, was a standout player. The way he ran his routes, his hands, his speed was unbelievable. The plays that I recall with Branch was him going down the left sideline, getting behind the DB, and his left hand going up, give me the ball, give me the ball. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT with you, and hopefully we got this going live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center as we get rolling live from the Raiders facility, the Summer of Cliff. Welcome to the show. Big day today in the Raider Nation as we get going here from what will be training camp here in a few days, and we're excited to talk to you. So we got a big show lined up as we are counting down to the Summer of Cliff branch. We are in it now as we're getting ready for Canton, Ohio. I had some meetings here today inside the Raider facility, and I could just tell you the month of August is loaded when it comes to what's happening from an alumni perspective with Alumni Weekend in Vegas at the end of the month of August and early in August, Cliff Branch and the countdown as we get ready for his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So we're going to take more calls on Cliff today. We loaded up the show. Phil Villapiano will join us here at the top of the hour in a few minutes the legendary linebacker, former teammate of Cliff Branch. Vinny Bonsignor, Raider Insider. You heard him this morning on Raider Nation Radio. Vinny will join us. We're going to recap the offseason and get ahead of training camp. Also, Jeff Sherman from the Westgate will join us, and we'll take a look at some of the moving odds in baseball and especially football as we look to see if there is any movement coming forward out of the gate with the Raiders, their season win total, some of the games that have been posted, and what is going to happen here. Uh, The lead story in all of ESPN is about Henry Ruggs. I think it's my duty to tell you this because we're in Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas judge ruled today that the blood alcohol tests are permitted as evidence in the case of former Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs III, who's been accused of driving 156 miles an hour while drunk, causing a crash that killed 23-year-old Tina Tintor and her dog last November. Uh, That is the top story at ESPN.com because that came down today. And we're mentioning that, and that's where we're at on that story. We've been very transparent on the end of Ruggs' career with the Raiders and this case going forward. There is Deshaun Watson news as the briefs need to be filed today. Uh, Mike Florio is reporting that this could happen in the next six to eight days, a decision coming down on Deshaun Watson. So that's a story that we'll talk about in a bit. I spent yesterday over at NBA Summer League at the Thomas and Mac. I caught a game. It was good to be there after the show yesterday. That's a story that we'll cover today. Also, Randy Mueller will join us later, the former 2000 Executive of the Year in the NFL. 
But my goal with the Summer of Cliff was to tell Cliff Branch stories and to talk about his legendary career as it's been too long and he's finally getting inducted into Canton, Ohio. Phil Phil Biano is the greatest storyteller on top of one of the greatest players in Raider history, and he's kind enough to join us. How does that sound, Foo? Summer of Cliff, your former teammate, as we pay tribute to him. Uh, JT, that sounds wonderful. And, uh, hey, I I love to tell the stories, but they're all true, JT. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's good. Uh, I guess I don't have CTE because I could still remember all this stuff. So, um, yeah, to talk about Cliff, I love to talk about Cliff. What a... What a great teammate, and, uh, you know, just a great, what a cool guy. You know, for the people that didn't get to know Cliff, uh, you know, JT, you know, and I know, Cliff never slept. He never got tired. He he ran his life like he ran down the football field. <laughs> he was, he was, a, uh, he was uh, always on, always, always going hard, always laughing, always smiling. And uh, just one of the nicest people anybody could ever meet. And it makes me so happy that I got to play all those years with him. And, and man, he got three Super Bowl rings, too, JT. Never mentioned that, but he wore them all the time. So, you know, when he came around, he had a lot of, a lot of diamonds going on there. Phil, it's interesting because when he came into the league, I talked to Freddie about it. I talked to uh, Coach Flores about it. We got into it that he had some drops early in his career. He was a track star from Texas, went to Colorado. When did you notice the speed and him getting comfortable with the speed and the ability to bring the ball in with his hands when it came together? Well, you know, JT, that's a, that's a great question. And I'm, I don't know if I'm the only one that noticed this. But George Blanda was the number one Cliff Branch fan, number one, because of that speed. And George would work with, uh, with Cliff and just keep throwing him the ball, throwing him the ball, throwing him the ball. And finally, you know, I mean, Cliff must have been a, a, a pretty darn good wide receiver in college. But you get to the pros, sometimes you get the drops. And he was dropping everything, as you said, early on. But I give George Blanda the credit for just feeding him the ball, you know, because George had plenty of time, you know, he, he, you know, his practices were, yeah, let me throw the ball to Cliff, you know, because he really didn't have to do anything else. So uh, Cliff got a lot of Blanda balls, and I, I really give him the credit for uh, getting Cliff comfortable. And then once Cliff got comfortable, forget about it. He, he was the best, best wide receiver. It was a joke. Um, when people tried to cover him, he would just blow right by him and then catch everything, come back for the ball. I mean, Kenny, I think Kenny and him invented that back shoulder because Kenny couldn't throw it far enough. You know, so Cliff kept coming back for it and it worked. So maybe, maybe it was a snake and Cliff invented the back shoulder. JT, did you ever think about that? We have an invention here today. Phil Villapiano is our guest, a legend, also should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So Cliff comes in with the Raiders in 1972, 14 games, only three receptions, and 73, 13 games, 19 receptions, and then boom, 74, 60 receptions that year, 13 touchdowns, 75, 9 touchdowns, and then 76 
That famous year, you remember, Cliff had the breakout year, 14 games. He had 12 touchdowns, the long one, 88, and Cliff was just finding his own. Walk me through the struggles and then the lead-up because of all the big games on the road, the losses in the AFC Championship game, and then in the Super Bowl season, Bolitnikoff, Casper, Cliff Branch, and a hell of a running game, Foo, where defenses yeah. didn't know if you were going to run behind Shell and you were going to run behind Gene Upshaw or there was going to be some play action with the snake going to Cliff. Yeah, whatever, whatever. However, John, you know, drew it up and Kenny, it was amazing. Our offense worked so beautiful that day. I mean, you know, when you get a running game, what Shell and Upshaw were doing to Marshall and Eller over there, that was, it was a joke. I mean, is it blowing him off the ball? Van Egan up through the hole, and there's Clarence Davis right behind him. A great running game, which I think opened up everything else. You know, I mean, Dave Casper had that big day. Freddie got the MVP because he got so wide open. And then whenever they needed something big, they took a look at Cliff. And it was just, that's the way, you know, you draw up an offense. And, uh, you know, you hope it works like that. It never really works like that. But, boy, that day in the Super Bowl, everything was gelling. And, you know, our defense, uh, I mean, I, re- I, re- I remember uh, I wanted some more action. I wanted to get out there and make some more tackles. But our <laughs> offense kept the ball for so long, we we kind of got a little bored there for a while on defense. But excellent, excellent game by Cliff, as you as you know. And he, he just ran away from people. And uh, that's what I loved about him. And, you know, J.T., when you get to the pros – and you look at these guys, these wide receivers, and Jerry Butler, I'm just thinking of Jerry Butler right now with the Buffalo Bills when I played with the Bills. These guys are track guys, Mm -hmm. and there's a difference between a track guy and a fast football player. I think Renthro, you know, with the Raiders right now, I think he's a quick, fast football player, but he's not a Cliff Branch speed. A track guy's got that other level, got that other gear, and then once they get going, wow, you know. And that's Cliff had it. Cliff had it. I think long before anybody. And nobody took you know. Hey, remember the Cowboys with Bob Hayes, right? Uh-huh. They tried to make a, a sprinter, a real track guy, into something. And Bob had the drops. I think his whole career, but Cliff Branch didn't. And Cliff Branch with that crazy speed could outrun anybody. And like I said, he outran Kenny half the time, and he came back and got the balls. Because, you know, the defensive backs had to honor that speed. So as soon as Cliff got him turned around, he'd come back and get the ball. It was it was fun. And I think uh, I'm thinking of that Miami Dolphin game right now where uh-huh. Kenny let it go, and Cliff came back and caught it, jumped up, zipped into the end zone, put the Raiders on top. Phil, great, Villapiano, great, Phil great Villapiano is our guest. Great to talk to Foo. It's the summer of Cliff as we continue here, the countdown to Canton, Ohio. So I don't want to get into this, Foo, too political because you're in this boat also with Jim Plunkett and Lester Hayes and Greg Townsend. There are so many Raiders who are still not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but the Cliff one really bothered a lot of people. And Kenny passed away and finally got inducted. They made Coach Flores wait until he was 83. But when it came to Cliff... And then Lynn Swan and Stallworth went in. And then I saw Drew Pearson get in the year before and Harold Carmichael. 
you as a former teammate here, were you looking at the politics behind the scenes in Canton saying, what's going on here? Every Bolitnikov's in, Casper's in, Shell's in, Otto's in, all the offensive players who played alongside of him and Otto before, but why did Cliff wait so long? What was the politics behind the scenes that kept him on the outside looking in? JT, that... um you know, being a Raider player and, uh, you know, being a Raiders and you were around, you know, we had that reputation. And, and it was almost like the NFL, they'd rather go pick a St. Louis Cardinal that nobody ever heard of and, and stick him in than, than a great Oakland Raider. And it, it, it just it was the way it was. And, you know, it kind of soured me on the on the whole, you know, process of, picking guys for the Hall of Fame. and I'm like, you know, what can some people do? And they don't even get a look. But you come from a city that hasn't had anybody in in a long time, and, and, and somebody gets in. It was, I think it was political, and you, you can't say it's anything but political. I think Al didn't help a lot of us guys because they didn't like Al, so we – you know, we're all on, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider. We're all in the same boat together. So, you know, when, when they don't like your owner, uh, you know, and even and even John Madden took, took John forever. Yeah, took for John a long life. time. Yeah, it's just it wasn't meant to be back in those days. I think now it seems more fair, but, you know, and the people that really deserve it do get in, I think, now. But I, I think there was a time, J.T., when uh, there were some people somewhere that were calling the shots, and they probably probably weren't even football people, for sure. Nobody covered anybody. Nobody ever made a tackle, and then mm-hmm. you know could leave Cliff Branch out. He was a bona fide superstar, and like you said, and then these other guys get in. So finally, you know, you know they could be just too embarrassed that they didn't put Cliff in. Phil Villapiano, as we wrap it up, finally, you're back east and you're out in Vegas a lot and out in Palm Desert and you're out here and we get a chance to see you and the fans love it. What was it, what was it like when you found out that Cliff passed, knowing Mark's relationship and George Atkinson? I mean, I, George broke me into this organization and George and Cliff were just side by side, thick as thieves. Every time I saw George, I saw Cliff and Mark and yeah. Willie Brown and you when you were out there. When you got the news that Cliff passed away, can you take me through that day and how it felt to you? Well, JT, I certainly could. And, and, and you know what, what is happening to, you know, like all of us football players, you went, wait a minute, why? You know, what happened? How could that be? I mean, I was just with Cliff, uh, you know, a month before he dies, and he's the same happy guy, you know. He, you know, he, he talks so fast, you know, and, and, and I just, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. And then, and you know, and, you know, we talked, you know, JT, you and I talked about Daryl. I was with Daryl, you know, a month or two before he dies, and he was the same Daryl, you know, you know. So we just kind of. You know, I, I think we're all getting to an age where, you know, we got to realize we're, we're not Superman and anything can happen to us and we probably should take a little bit better care of ourselves, which is a little late. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> and, you know, Cliff, everybody, everybody that know, knows Cliff or knows of Cliff knows Cliff liked to burn, burn that candle at both ends and, 
and, and, and the way he did it was masterful. So he was a great party guy, great fun guy. And, you know, maybe, maybe you have to pay the price for that. I hope I don't, JT, because, you know, I'm going all the way to the finish line with the same, same speed I always do. So I'm not going to worry about dying. I, I just want to keep having great times and, you know, with, with the Raider organization and, and uh, hopefully nothing, nothing happens to me. And like, you know, when, when, when it does happen, you know, you say God takes you when he wants you, you know, and just make sure you have a hell of a good time till that day. Yeah, Fu, we know he's listening, and this is going to be one hell of a party and the alumni event at the end of August, and we'll see you back here because you've been counting down with this team getting better. One thing about many things about you, you've been coming on the radio with me forever, and you've, you've seen this team get better now with Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, uh, Josh McDaniels as the head coach, everybody feeling right. now the vibe in Vegas here. Finally, food from a football perspective, this is a big one now. They're, they're in a tough division with Kansas City. We know the Chargers got better. Russell Wilson's right. a quarterback in Denver now. Raiders need to thread the needle this year. The schedule's tough. they got to get out quick. Arizona for the home opener. They open up on the road against the Chargers. And then the Raiders are going to Nashville and New Orleans this year. I think Raider fans are excited about what's in front of us. Yeah, I, 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 I do too, JT. And, uh, you know, I remember talking to Jai Gruden last year, and he said, so we're only a couple players away. And I think Josh is, uh, you know, I'm sure John is in there talking with him. And, and you know, those guys, they're, they're smart football people. And I think they pretty much filled every hole, if there was any holes. And there was some holes. So I like our offensive line. I love our defense. I love our speed. I love, you know, you know, like, like Devontae, my God, yeah. this guy was just so good. I, I got a feeling, JT, it is our year. We can't lose any stupid games. We can't throw the, we can't throw the ball in the flat and let the, let the guy run down the field and get a touchdown. No stupid plays. That just drives me crazy. You know, and then we're, we're coming from behind every game last year. It was crazy. All the games we won, you know, the last, yeah. last drive. Because we're always coming from behind. I hope that Derek and, and the coaching staff and everybody else can play like champions right off the bat, take it to them in these games in the second quarter, and then move on. You know, that's, that's Raider football to me. And I think, I think we've got a team that's good enough to do it, even though, like, like you said, our division is <laughs> we're probably the best division in football. No so doubt. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, watch these games. But I think, you know, I think the Raiders always got something that just remember we talked about this, JT, a million times. Everybody in the league wants to be a Raider. So once the Raiders get hot, these teams will crumble for us. Let's just get hot. Let's go kick some ass. I can't wait for I can't wait for the season. Thanks, Fu, and thanks for spending some time with some memories of your teammate Cliff Branch. It means everything to Branch. the fans. Thanks, yeah, Fu. I love him. Thanks, Love you JT. too. Bye bye now. You got it. Phil Villapiano starting us off. Happy we're able to get him going here. That was my vision this summer, and we got monsters coming in 
all getting back to me. Whenever you need me, JT, I want to come on and talk Cliff Branch. Look, it's summertime. we got training camp. I'm in the building today. Uh, players are gone. Uh, they're coming back next week. Rookies first. Then the veterans are coming, and we're full football after that. But in the summer here, we're telling stories. We're talking about Cliff Branch, and we wanted to make sure you were comfortable with this. As a listener, as a caller, if you want to just come in via social media, do me a favor. Just get behind what we're trying to do here because the owners behind it, my bosses here are behind it, the players are behind it, the active players are here, and it's going to be the turnout's enormous. That's one of the reasons I was here today. The turnout in, Can- uh, in Canton is overwhelmingly huge because of the fact that Cliff had to wait this long. He was Mark Davis's best friend, and the fact that the organization wants to be there. And they're playing there. So the Summer of Cliff, thanks to Phil Villapiano, we'll have more guests coming up uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of next week and some of his best teammates. 702-365-9200 if you want to jump in at any portion of the show. We're just looking for Cliff calls or anything you want to hit on with the Raiders this offseason here. Turns out Daniel Snyder, breaking news. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform has accepted Daniel Snyder's offered testimony date Of July 28th, the committee will proceed with a subpoena to ensure that his testimony is full and complete and not restricted. Schneider's side has until tomorrow at noon to confirm. So a lot of these off-season topics have to do with some of the issues that the NFL wants to put to bed. Deshaun Watson, Daniel Schneider, the Gruden emails, and we're talking about that every day here on Raider Nation Radio. So today I woke up really early in the morning. My body clock's been off a lot lately, so I got up early and I turned on the British Open, the Open Championship, because I wanted to watch golf. I love majors, St. Andrews, the 150th anniversary of St. Andrews. Jack Nicklaus brought back his entire family, his entire family, all his sons, his grandkids, and took a picture on the bridge with Tiger Woods. I mean, it's an amazing. And then Tiger Woods spoke. And let me tell you, I've, t- I've covered Tiger's entire career. And it was the best press conference, number one all-time I saw at Tiger Woods. He was thoughtful. He was reflective. He was asked about Live Golf and the comments about Live Golf, this Saudi-backed rogue golf tour that's going side-by-side with the PGA Tour. Here's Tiger Woods. As far as the second part of uh, your question about the, the players who have chosen to go to Live and, and to play on um, – play there I I disagree with it um, I think that uh, what they've done is they've, they've turned our, their back on what has allowed them to get to this position um, some players have never got a chance to even experience it uh, they've, they've gone right from the amateur ranks right into you know that organization um, and never really got a chance to to play out here and, and what it feels like to play a tour schedule or to um, play in some big events. And, you know, who knows what what's going to happen in the near future with world ranking points, um, the criteria for entering major championships. Um, the, the, the governing body's going to have to figure that out. And I, some of these players may, may not ever get a chance to play major championships. And that is a possibility. Uh, we don't know that for sure yet. It's up to the, all the major championship bodies to make that determination. But that is a possibility. 
that um, some players will never ever get a chance to play in a major championship, never get a chance to experience this right here. Um, I walked down the fairways at Augusta National. I mean, uh, that that to me, I, I just don't. I just to me, I just don't understand it. Oh, that's Tiger Woods today. It was an incredible press conference. There's a little bit of pushback on Tiger because he's made a billion dollars. He's been the face of the tour, so he's made all the money in endorsements and all that. And the other players on Live Golf are now making enormous money, and they're trying to make the money or the lifestyle that Tiger has. But very important that Tiger Woods at the home of golf, the birthplace of golf, basically trashed and went after Live Golf and said no. And I think the players today have to make up their mind now if they want to be respected by Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. Jack Nicklaus, the greatest to ever play, and there's no debate the second greatest is Tiger Woods, who's not done yet. They are both anti-Saudi Arabia and live golf, and both of them right now are against it, and they're saying it at the RNA, and they're saying it there. So a very important moment today for Tiger Woods, as I thought he did what he was supposed to do, speak on the record about where he stands with Live Golf, and he was fantastic. It was the best press conference I've ever seen from Tiger Woods as he said that the Live players, quote, turn their back on us and the PGA Tour. And I expect to see some reaction from Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau and especially his rival, even though he owned the rivalry, Phil Mickelson, coming up. We are brought to you, you know, we have the Summer of Cliff Branch how about the summer of one love at Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers? And they're hitting the spot with the hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken finger meals you crave all summer long. Stop by your local Cane's today to enjoy the celebration. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, one love. My sons wear out tires going through that drive-thru. They love Cane's. They love the box, the Caniacs. They're just crazy about it. So the summer of one love as we welcome Cane's as a proud partner to Raider Nation Radio. And I have no problem endorsing this company because they've done a great job. And I love the fact that Cane's is now a proud partner of us right here on Raider Nation Radio. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate will join us here in a little bit. We'll talk to him in about 20 minutes on the odds for the Raiders and some of the other teams going forward. On top of that, we'll talk to Vinny Bonsignor at the top of the hour. You hear him now in mornings and throughout the shows. He'll be one of our insiders this year. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, JT, proud to be here. Thanks again to Phil Villapiano. Phil called in. He called in from New Jersey. Raider fans need to be calling in on Clip Ranch. Yesterday was a bleeping morgue on this show, so I decided to come into the building to make you believe that your voice is heard inside the, the vault, the headquarters of the Raiders. So wake up and match my energy, and let's get rolling on Raider Nation Radio. Well, he was my mentor. I, when I see Freddie today, uh, I always call him father because he was the one that took me on his wings, tutored me, and and made me the player that I turned out to be because because um, Freddie was such an artist at running routes, and I, I studied him, I watched him, I was like his shadow. So uh, he was my mentor, and I I, I owe a lot of credit. 
Pastor Freddie Belenica. Whenever I see him, I, I call him father, and he say son and stuff like that. And that's the first thing I see when I see Freddie. I say, hey, father. And he, hey, hi, my son. So uh, all, all my uh, skills uh, as a receiver from concentration to the worth ethics, because Freddie was a guy that, that was unbelievable when his worth ethics. He was never satisfied. That's Cliff Branch talking about Freddie Bolitnikoff and the relationship between Fred and Cliff Branch. JT, back with you as we continue inside the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center as we get rolling here today on what should be a real busy day today as we're breaking into the summer of Cliff. Phil Villapiano joined us to open the show. Let's hear from some Raider fans on their memories. Look, I don't know how many Raider fans are out there. I see the streaming numbers. There's a lot. And we're not getting a lot of Cliff Branch stories here. So let's wake up the show and get going. I got players calling in. We want to hear from fans on Twitter at JT the Brick and especially over the phones at 702 365 9200. It's all over the internet about Henry Ruggs' situation as the family now and the case is going forward here. And uh, Henry Ruggs is the lead story today at ESPN.com. I am not avoiding it. I'm not avoiding that here on the flagship of the Raiders. You know where I stand on this topic with Henry Ruggs. It was not a mistake. It was a tragedy. It was awful what happened here. And now, basically, he's trying to save his life behind bars and Tina Tintor's family on the other side of this. As this story develops going forward, we'll get more to this. But a lot of people texting me today and people talking about this because it's a cover story at ESPN as they wrote a new article about this. Uh, Henry Ruggs III went home one day after the crash. He was released from the hospital, released from custody on a $150,000 bond, and released by the Raiders. He was charged with multiple felonies, including driving under the influence, resulting in the death and reckless driving. He was put on house arrest with alcohol and location electronic monitoring services. Earlier today, his lawyers... And he's got big lawyers here in Vegas, as we all know. He has big lawyers here. Uh, They are in court today. And the lawyers are scheduled to argue in court that Las Vegas police had no legal reason to request a warrant for blood to be drawn. Again, I am not an attorney. I do not have a comment on this. But I wanted to make sure we covered it off in the monologue. Uh, 702-365-9200, Summer Eclipse Branch. Big Al in San Francisco. Thanks for checking in. What's happening, Big Al? No, I was just uh, listening to the show. I'm really excited for uh, this you know, upcoming football season and, and the fact that it's starting off with uh, the Hall of Fame and the Raiders playing and, and uh, the Cliff Branch, which is you know, 25 years in remiss. Uh, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, I think, is a great thing for Raider fans. I think mm-hmm. this is a great way to start the season. Uh, we take a look at, it, at the team, and this is uh, arguably the best team that we've seen since Jack, Jack Del Rio's uh, 2016 team. Um, I'm anxious to see where they go. I think they're better than Denver. I'm not sold on uh, on the Chargers. I almost called them San Diego. Uh, I still do that occasionally. And the Chiefs, look, as long as they have Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be a hell of a team. But the Raiders can come out and do some things this year. As long as their offensive line holds up, they can throw the ball to the wideouts. They have some very strong wideouts. They have some, you know, you know two very strong pass-catching tight ends, one that plays like a wideout in Waller. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a good team. The offensive line has to keep Derek upright. If Derek stays upright, Derek's going to throw for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. 
and the Raiders are going to be playing into January. You know, keep our fingers crossed until February. If Derek is like David and ends up, David, his brother, ends up lying on the turf, um, the Raiders season is going to get over and it's going to get over pretty soon. That's the key. Thanks, Big Al. I would agree with a lot of that. I think that Derek has the ability this year to have an unbelievable season, and he's been playing at such a high level the last couple of years. And the offensive line, I've repeated this, and I'll say this inside the building today, if you're joining us late, that I, I believe the Raiders' priority from here on out till the cut-down roster of 53 is to find one more offensive lineman. I don't care what – look, if they end up getting a cut-down linebacker, if they get a recognizable name in the secondary, if they're able to bring in another player on special teams who's pretty good and makes the team, I have no problem with that. I just think that the Raiders need to get another offensive line starter, not a backup, not a depth player. And I think they're going to be able to do that because if you take a look at the cap and what's happening here with certain teams, some teams, the majority of teams in the NFL have a better offensive line than the Raiders. Let me repeat that. The majority of NFL teams have a better offensive line than the Raiders, which means they're too deep at guard with better guards than the Raiders have at starter. So some of these teams are going to release players due to salary cap issues and competition levels. And I think that Dave Ziegler knows who those players are, has them on the radar, has them up on the whiteboard, and is going to pounce and get one of them. And if that's the case, that player won't need two, three months to get acclimated to the Raiders and the playbook. They'll be able to jump in at one of the guard positions potentially. It could be at center. It could be at right tackle. And they were talking about this on the morning show the other day, and I think Heidi said it and Vinny, too, that the only guaranteed position up front on the offensive line is Colton Miller. He's guaranteed to have that position as long as he stays healthy, and he'll have a great year. I think this is the first year. I believe that this is the first year when we look at this where we're talking about a Pro Bowl year for Colton Miller. And that's a hard position to get to the Pro Bowl. Left tackle is the highest paid position on the offensive line. It's a unique position. It's a luxury position. It's a value position. And it's where stars reside in this league. And Colton Miller, I think this year is going to start year one of his ability to go forward as a pro bowler. But we're still looking at Alex Leatherwood, and we have to figure out what's going to happen with him. And he'll have training camp to pull it off. So when it comes to this issue going forward, I personally believe that the Raiders will find that offensive lineman. And that offensive lineman will be a recognizable name that you're familiar with, maybe a former pro bowler from six, seven years ago who will jump in and start with the Raiders. And if that's not the case, then Josh McDaniels is going to have to make sure that that offensive line is tight going in on the road against the Chargers. That might be the toughest game of the year for the offensive line going up against Mack and Bosa. I mean, that's a test right out of the gate. We'll know everything we need to know about this offensive line after the Charger game, I can tell you that. Meetupvegas.com. Wow. Do they got deals for you? It's burger season. Order now for Las Vegas delivery this Thursday or Friday. The juiciest burger you'll ever taste. Go to meetupvegas.com. Code JT Brick. Polemnikov to the right, the corner's way off the line of scrimmage, 12, 14 yards in the secondary, Stabler back, 
Heelock steps up in the pocket, throws to Fred, makes a great pass at the 25. What a pattern. He's knocked down by Babb at the 23. The clock running. 111 to go. 23 yards from the promised land. Miami 26. Oakland 21. Branch to the left. Boletnikov to the right, lining up without a huddle. Saber not hurrying at all. He has Fitz now to the left. Branch is to the right in the slot inside Fred. And a quick throw now to Branch. Makes the catch. Gets out of bounds at the 20. That was the first down play. They made four to the 19 and a half. Stops the clock at 52 seconds. Bill King on the call as we look back at Cliff Branch and the countdown to Cliff's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. JT, back with you, brought to you by Resorts World. Head on out to Doghouse Saloon, our home for Monday night football. Going forward, the sports book is inside the sports bar. Place your bets, sit there, great food, great service, great drink specials. And then afterwards, it turns into a country music bar, live performances, Doghouse, the official home of Monday night football. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate, as we always get a chance to talk to him about odds going forward in sports. And right in your wheelhouse, Jeff, the Open Championship. I'm sure you heard Tiger's press conference earlier today. What do you think of what he had to say about live golf? Yeah, I mean, I figured he'd take that type of stance, but uh, he also has a, a nice uh, bank account versus some of these other golfers at the end of their careers that are looking to just uh, replenish theirs. So a little bit different perspective. I understand what he's saying about uh, the PGA Tour building these guys to where they are, but um, you know, some of these guys at this stage of their careers, it's a lot of money to turn down. So as VP at Risk Management over at the Westgate, do you like what Liv does for the future of golf from an odds perspective? Is this good for your business? It's good for our business because it's another tournament we add to the rotation that has recognizable names, bettable mm-hmm. names in it. Uh, so we found this is the second most bet tour of all the tours that we offer each week in the two instances that it's been played. So it's ahead of Champions, LPGA, Corn Ferry, secondary PGA Tour tournaments, things like that. So outside of the primary PGA Tour, then you have Live right now, and it's only in its infancy. I know there's going to be bigger names that come. I'm expecting more names after the Open Championship. I've heard Hideki Matsuyama might be going over. Uh, so as they keep attracting these star names, the handle's going to keep going up. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. So let's look at the Open Championship. Rory, the favorite, at ten to one. Shoffley, fourteen to one. I saw you post that after he won the Scottish Open, and then Spieth at sixteen to one. Rom, eighteen to one. What jumps out at you here on a value play here, and especially the favorite of Rory McIlroy, especially on this golf course, the home of golf. Yeah, Rory is the rightful favorite, and we've seen a lot of support from him. I took a six thousand dollar wager at ten to one, so that's where he sits. We don't have anyone in single digits. But some of the other golfers behind him, we made an adjustment on Xander. You could have found him at 25-1 to 1 a couple weeks ago, but now he's won three tournaments in a row. Hence, he's basically the second favorite of the tournament at 16-1 to 1 now. Uh, but we've been increasing some of the golfers' odds. Some of the live guys, Kepka, he's not seeing much action. He's all the way up to 50-1. to 1. DeChambeau, 100-1. to 1. So even Oosthuizen, he's up to 40-1, to 1, which you ch- traditionally don't find him that high for a British Open. Uh, so... The live golfers are not getting too much attention. On the other hand, uh, one of the guys I like, I still think presents some value, is Dustin Johnson. I played him in the 40 to 1 range. Uh, he's 30 to 1 right now, but he is a live golfer that is coming off uh, his last tournament doing well in live, uh, and he fits his course. You know, you wouldn't find him in a major higher than 20 to 1 a few years back. Now you're finding him 30 to 40 to 1, so I think this could be a week to take advantage of that. Where do you have Tiger Woods at winning the tournament or at least making the cut? 
Well, we're sitting at 100 to 1 on Tiger, and uh, he's number one in ticket count, number four in money wagered. So there's a lot of support wow. for Tiger, but he is sitting in triple digits at 100 to 1. Now, we're getting a lot of money on the make, cut, miss, cut prop, and I opened make the cut minus 150, miss the cut plus 130, uh, and it's been bet down. The Sharps have taken him to miss the cut, so we're sitting at yes minus 120, no even. And I think part of that has to do with the tee time that came out today where he has a late early draw, which is less recovery time for his situation. So we did relax that price a bit due to the tee time. Jeff Sherman is our guest, uh, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. Let's move to the NFL and the Baker Mayfield news going to Carolina. Any movement on Carolina when it comes to season win totals or a couple of the games that have been posted early? Yeah, we didn't do anything with uh, the divisions, the futures, the Super Bowl, conference, anything like that. But the win total, we went from six up to six and a half. And the week one line is down to Cleveland minus one at Carolina with a total of 42. And some of that initial movement was due to uh, the expected suspension of Deshaun Watson. But now the trade of Mayfield lowered it from Cleveland two and a half to Cleveland minus one. Uh, Jeff, I wanted to ask you, I was down at Summer League yesterday, and uh, can you talk about setting odds for Summer League and the type of handle that you're getting there? How many NBA fans are interested in betting on Summer League? Uh, You'd be surprised. It keeps growing each year. And, you know, we do a a future market for it before the games tip off, and that's where I really uh, dig deep into handicapping the rosters. The tough thing about the Summer League is, just like what you saw yesterday with the Magic and Bancaro, Mm -hmm. he played two games and then they released him and he's done. And over the past few years, you tend to find that, that these guys aren't going to play all five games. So it's tough to factor that in, but we're making the lines based on the roster that is there. And as things change, we make adjustments to the line. And yesterday, uh, the Magic and Thunder line moved about six points when it was announced Bancaro was out. But uh, it, it's, it's fun. It's a challenge. It's not like just doing the NBA where everyone knows, even those uh, the NBA players take some nights off, but everyone's so familiar with who's playing. This is a deep roster and a lot of, a lot of players people don't know, so it's a fun challenge. Uh, speaking of the NBA, with the Durant and Kyrie news pending and what's happening there, any effect, anything you hear in throughout the industry as people are waiting back, looking at future odds on the NBA for next season, and clearly waiting on Durant if he ends up in Phoenix or if he ends up in South Beach in Miami? Yeah, the Nets are sitting at 25-1, to 1, which is just the middle ground right now with uh, you know the, the chance that you know they don't have to trade him. He's under contract for four years, so... Um, you know, if they bring these guys back, even if they're disgruntled, their odds will obviously drop a lot. But then if things move, then we can increase them. So it's kind of middle ground, and we're not seeing too much support. But the interesting thing to keep an eye on is with Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton, if the Pacers offer him a sign-and-trade deal, that could either add a piece for Phoenix to trade or it could take him out of the running if it, if it leads to somebody that Brooklyn is not interested in and it, or it could create more teams being involved. So... The DeAndre Ayton piece is like the next thing we're looking for mm-hmm. to see where this Durant situation leads to. Wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman, let's end with baseball. Uh, Yankees with 61 wins, and I'm looking at the Dodgers with 56 wins. So futures on World Series here, division, and especially before the trade deadline where there could be some big movement. Yeah, we've got the Yankees and Dodgers co-favorites for the World Series title at 7-2, to and Creeping up on them, though, the Astros 11-2 to and the Braves are 10-1. to Those two teams have seen a lot of support over the last few weeks. You take handle. What's the handle on home run derby? How does that play out for our listeners all around the country? How do you play home run derby? Uh, it's, it's pretty good because there's not much on the betting menu that day. So we mm-hmm. get quite a bit and, you know, fluctuate the odds all throughout the day. And uh, 
it's actually basically leads to what our decision will be for that day because there's just so little sports going on that day. So, wow. So that's a really good point. So without anything going on, everybody's looking at home run derby and that handle grows year in and year out. It does. It does. It keeps growing. And, uh, you know, we're in more jurisdictions now and we can offer it everywhere. So it's, uh, it's fun for people to be involved with and actually uh, support what they're watching. Thanks, Jeff. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Appreciate your time. Okay. Thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman at Golf Odds. If you're looking to follow one of the best handicappers in all of sports, we have him on every two weeks just to keep you up to date on gambling, sports gambling with one of the sharps and one of the guys who knows the business good. So with Tiger Woods, very interesting the support that Tiger is getting, 100 to 1, but to make the cut. And for Tiger Woods to make the cut, I think a lot of people are going to bet on that because people want to enjoy their golf experience this weekend. Now, living out west, this is the toughest major to watch. Because living out west, when people are teeing off at 2.30 or 3.30 in the morning, Pacific time, it's tough to keep up. They stagger it for the late start on Sunday at St. Andrews, so you'll catch it early in the morning at 6, 7 in the morning for the early tee times, but they stagger the late ones late, so you get to watch it at a reasonable time. But I got up this morning to watch a little bit of it early in the morning, and it was just great to see Tiger Woods. He had a lot to say. Thanks again to Jeff Sherman for joining us. Vinny Bonsignor will join us at the top of the hour as you hear Vinny now as he's transitioned to the morning show here on the flagship of the Raiders and does an exceptional job. We'll go around the league with Vinny, a couple of issues surrounding other teams in the AFC West, and a lot of talk about Derek Carr in the media over the last 24 to 48 hours because that article came out from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN about the top 10 quarterbacks and Carr was an honorable mention. So after looking at that and diving into it yesterday, talking about it on my SiriusXM show last night, a lot of people are good at having Derek at number 10. I don't think that's a reach to put Derek in the top 10 at number 10. But it's tough to move Derek up anywhere past number 10 or even number 9 because he doesn't have a playoff win. He's led the Raiders to the playoffs twice, the year that he broke his ankle and last year. He hasn't won a playoff game yet. I think if he wins a playoff game this year or two, and starts on that train for the rest of his career, Derek will be in the category of top seven or eight quarterbacks the rest of his career. He's not going to leapfrog over Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to leapfrog over Tom Brady, especially Aaron Rodgers. And Josh Allen and Buffalo looks like they're going to be in the playoffs for years to come. So for Derek to get into that elite status, keep putting up the stats, which he will, and win some playoff games. And then he'll be an elite quarterback and he probably won't leave that category for many years to come. JT, live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, home of the Raiders on the flagship Raider Nation Radio.